Hey, what's going on? It's another episode of Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger, and today we are going to be diving into styling in Angular. This episode is going to be hot. Uh, I know we say that about all of our episodes, but we got a ton of demos today. Uh, we're really going to take it and, and really jump into more than just your normal basic styling stuff in Angular. We're really going to get into uh, how you do some CSS and, and do some wizardry here. So we're looking forward to sharing that. Our panelists with us today, we've got Alyssa Neichel. Alyssa, what's going on? Hey, hey guys. Welcome from sunny Florida. <laughs> Stepping our game up. I don't even know where that came from. Uh, I wish we had some sunny weather. We're getting rain right now, but uh, we had some heat. So uh, speaking of out there, we also have Austin McDaniel with us. NG Panda, what's going on? How's it going, guys? I'm in sunny Florida, too. It's really beautiful here today. It's like 75. It's the cool place to be. It is. Uh, oh, yeah? Well, uh, we've got two of us out here in Cali. We've got uh, our guest today, Brian Treese. Brian, what's going on? Hey, guys. How's it going? All right. So before we get into the styling stuff and diving in and meet Brian and all that goodness, let's uh, hit up our NG news. So Did you know? That Angular 4 is coming out? <laughs> Angular 4 is coming out. It's it's a real thing, right? Uh, we've heard that uh, this Thursday it should be releasing, hopefully. So I think uh, the internal sources kind of gave us the lowdown that it's still on track. So you heard it here first. There you go. There you go. I, I don't know. Maybe second, third. I don't know. But you heard it here, that's for sure. Um, so Angular 4 is coming out this Thursday, potentially. Uh, we got the CLI uh, 1.0 officially releasing, probably Thursday as well. All right, so that's, that's the word on the streets. And um, we got ng-conf coming up here in a couple weeks as well, so another big uh, moment in the Angular community. So that should be exciting. Uh, any other news anybody knows about in terms of Angular-specific stuff? Are we all good on that? I think we're all good on that. All right, well, let's get into styling. Uh, let's meet our guest uh, a little more in detail. Brian, why don't you tell us about it yourself and what you got going on and all that goodness. Okay, cool, yeah, thanks, Justin. Um, as Justin said, my name is Brian Treese, and I am the uh, chief designer here at SoCreate. Primarily over the last two years, it's been uh, my role to work with the team and develop um, systems around uh, CSS and HTML that are maintainable and scalable over time um, that are easy to bring uh, on board into that process and that, that environment as well. So you work of Bootstrap all day? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in Bootstrap all day. Uh, we've kind of established our own framework, so um, our, our own framework and system, basically. Do you, like, have, a, do you have a name uh, for it? No, it's just an internal thing. We haven't, uh, yeah. <laughs> Lap strap. Nothing so far. <laughs> Monkey strap. Yeah. What, no, what not, we're not there yet. Since you know, Angular 1x and transitioning over to 2, so I think over this process, we're still refining what, what it means to fit it all in, right? Right, exactly, yeah. There's been some challenges, you know, especially as the framework has evolved. Um, we've had to evolve with it, and uh, you know we're we're building a couple of large apps, and we've definitely run into stuff that I want to talk ar around in, in terms of 
setting up a system and, and something that works in that environment. So we've had to kind of roll our own and evolve with the framework as it's evolved too. That's pretty much what I do all day. And then I work with this guy, uh, Mr. Justin Schwarzenberger. We spend a lot of time together every day, hashing things out. So. And, and you also do some teaching and training, right? Uh, yeah, I have a few courses up on uh, Pluralsight. And uh, my latest course is all about styling in, in Angular. So uh, yeah, definitely check that out for more. Uh, a lot of what we're going to cover today is in that course, but then I go into a lot more depth. That's like a two-hour-long course. So um, we obviously can't cover all that today. Very cool. Very cool. Um, well, uh, panelists, got any questions or anything you want to start off with, or should we just uh, get this guy diving right into some demos and show us some stuff? I really want to see it all. <laughs> yes, I, I totally agree. It's, it, Good. How, I mean, are you guys working with styles every day or like what's your kind of where are you guys at with, with your styling in Angular? Uh, every day, yeah, for me, for sure. Like in my day job and my night jobs, plural, all of them, yes. It's uh, my life. Inline styles for life. <laughs> no, I'm just Inline. kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not on that boat. <laughs> Style URLs. Right? Just like, just put it out yeah, there. Yeah. Just like, anytime I see in line, even if it's for one line, I kind of like, it hurts my heart. I don't know. It just hurts. Well, sometimes you have to have in line styles. <laughs> like dynamic stuff and stuff like that. No, that's like, you're just spouting words now. What? No. Like, do you, do you really actually, is there really a case where you like have to have it in line? Yeah, for animations, like moving stuff around and stuff like that. I guess, but like after our episode with like animations from Matthias, I feel like the future is... Well, you know great. that makes inline styles under the hood. Come on. So, all right. Oh, all right. We're, we're digressing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's just talk about CoffeeScript next. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Continue. Continue. So yes, I do a lot, a lot, but uh, Panda, I think, does also. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, and are you guys using uh, just are you writing straight CSS? Are you writing SAS or SAS? Yeah. Uh, I think there's like one project that it has to be like CSS because that's what they started with, but everything else is SAS. So, and then okay, cool. You know, mix-ins. Gotta love them. I don't know what I do without okay. them. Are you in SAS too? I'm assuming. Definitely. So a lot of the stuff will be is going to be. Uh, yeah, you guys might definitely chime in because this is uh, this is a lot to do with the systems that we've come up come up with. And you guys may see stuff that you're like, hey, you could totally do that another way. Just go ahead and and let me know because this is this is what we've come up with. And it sounds like you guys are in there just as as deep trying to figure this stuff out. So have any suggestions? But I guess I can go ahead and hop in and, and kind of show you guys uh, what I have if you're ready. Yes, I'm ready. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna present to everyone you. <laughs> All right. The digital floor is yours. Are all you seeing is my face, <laughs> or what are we seeing here? Yeah, just your face right now. I can't. This is kind of a weird setup here. Um. 
Where is the uh, sorry, I'm not in my normal office environment here. Hold on, let me check it out. Yeah, something. And now we're in the same office. How cool is that? <laughs> were you guys just being in separate office for theatrics? Yeah, like it's yeah, all just a show. to make it more interesting. <laughs> all right, let's see. Now I'm sharing my face again. Inception, that was cool. Um, All right, here we have a basic Angular application. And sorry, let me just get this set up a little bit better here because, oops, I want to start Firefox. Sorry, it's a little rough. I don't do this very often. Well, that's better. That font size okay. is good. We can see that, that's for sure. Okay, something's going right. <laughs> All right, so basically what I did, um, the way that I think that we, what, we, what we need to start with is talking about, uh, I mean, a lot of people understand already the view encapsulation that Angular provides, right? So how it handles um, adding it out of the box, you're going to get the default emulated mode. And that's going to go ahead and scope name attribute all of your markup and your style so that everything is, is scoped and out, outside of that global scope. Um, but I think a lot of people don't really necessarily understand all the different ways that styles can be applied in Angular. So um, I mentioned a couple, style URLs and uh, inline styles. So to uh, this component that I have here, it's all it's pertaining to embedded styles. So um, there we go. OK, so I'm just using the Angular uh, styles property in the component metadata. And that inserts you know, our styles. I'm using the host, which Angular also emulates the behavior of the host pseudo class selector. Um, and then that outputs our styles. But what I think, uh, uh, oh, and while we're on this topic, and you guys are all familiar with this, but this is just for anybody who may be a little bit unfamiliar with it. Um, it's actually in the head of the document. It takes those styles and inserts them into their own style block here. Um, so now if I hop back over, I think, uh, I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with this, but if you, um, add them in an embedded style block, you can do that. And have you guys done this before? No. What? Show it again. Sorry. So you have yeah, your inline style block and then you're saying... Yeah, so you can actually put them in line embedded in the template as well. So right here, we're in the template. And if I save this, where would you guys expect these styles to end up? Would, would you think they're going to be in the template? Uh, yeah, like at the app embedded, like at the root of that component. Would in the template, like right? But yeah, that's what you'd expect. This is doing its thing. 
someday. There we go. <laughs> All right. And then so so what it's actually doing, if we um, look at that component here, uh, we have the uh, embedded component, and it was right between this div and the host is where we'd see those styles. But Angular is actually taking those styles, ripping them out of the template, and also inserting those in the head the same way. So it's kind of important to know that if you're trying to um, insert styles inline in your template, you're going to run into that scenario there. So what's the, so, um, I mean, just curious. I, so we're using just, host styles, and uh, Angular is going to match the, the host attribute tag. And obviously, it's got to do some interpolation there to like make it all magical with the ng host thingy. And mm -hmm. why would it add it to the top header though instead of just inlining it? Yeah, I don't. You know, that's a, that is a little <laughs> funky, and that's why I wanted to point that out because the first time I did it, I I thought, man, this is this is crazy. I'm sure there's a good reason behind it. I, I assumed the first time I did this that it was going to end up in the template, and that's what we were going to have. That's so weird. So, Why would you even try that? Like, what what made you think like let's try to do? I don't know. I've just never. So is, yeah. is that a common we, thing, or I don't? Well, no, we were just trying stuff out because, like I said, you know, this is a, a two year process so far, a two year journey that we've been on, and trying to figure out all the different things that we could do to accomplish the things that we needed to accomplish. And so this came from experimenting and just trying some different stuff to see, hey, you know, if we do this, can we wrap logic around a style block in here? It's going to get us to a scenario that we want to be. So we we're, we we're trying to leverage maybe um, logic and, and Angular templates to conditionally render styles. I think that's how we got here. Um, and then we notice that this is how it works. <laughs> so, I, do you actually use this, or do you not? Like right now, we don't use this no, because we, yeah, because we use SAS, and so we don't really do embedded styles at all. Um, so, but yeah, I just thought it was important to point this out that it that it works this way. So, um, for back up a second, I, I uh, just for the viewers that are not familiar with you know this approach. So why would I, instead of just, you know, throwing some, you know, dangly script source reference to some SAS stuff that I built, why would I use this approach over that? Uh, it seems like, you know, this is, a, you know, obviously it's embedded within the system of Angular and, it, you know, it's probably got some, it's got some magic going on as well, but why would, why would I use this over that? Are you talking the encapsulated styles in, in general? Yeah, the encapsulated styles and, and the and the and the host approach and things like that. So, yeah, right. Um, so we're going to get into that. We're going to. Uh, that's the next topic is talking kind of about global styles and how you you actually you know you can in Angular if you want you can uh, work the 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 same old way you always have right where all your styles are global they're tied to maybe classes and selectors and and whatnot. And we're we're going to kind of work through that. Um, if that's cool, we can talk about it then a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay. So then uh, along this, this topic of uh, adding styles to components, um, another way that we can is through um, linking to style sheets. So you guys mentioned style URLs there. Okay, so this is an example of linked styles, this component that I have here. And if I look at what this one is doing, we're using the style URLs property. Yeah, so 
I got a couple of things commented out just to, so I remember what I was going to talk about here, but we're starting with the style URLs pop property. We're just linking to that style sheet, right? And so that's what you guys are used to. There's a couple of different ways we can, we can do this. Um, this is assuming that we had one style sheet and what we have in the style sheet is just a couple of basic styles. Let me flip over there. So kind of the same basic styles that we had before, just kind of ignore these imports right now because they're not even being used. We'll get into that in a minute. But so it's just some basic styles that are applying. We and, can the host, the and, the, and the host is, Angular is going to automatically generate a element tag for this specific component. For those of you that don't know what hosts are, I didn't for a while actually, or I didn't realize like all the magic creed that was going on uh, in the background. Uh, oh, right. I thought that's like really good to know. I didn't know attribute. It's creating the attribute. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's dynamic based on the component. So that's what that ng component funky name thing that he generated there was actually doing. Angular was reading the host attribute there and automatically making it its own attribute name for it. So are we all about the life of wrapping everything in host? Or no, because that's like too much wrapping. Because like I never know how much, you know what I'm talking about? Like whenever you nest your styles, like if we just want everything to like only apply, like I don't, what do you do? What do you guys do? I think for like, and, and this is just my take, like I think if you're putting styles for a component, you want to define it in the host, right? Just like you would add like a class prefix before, but if you're wanting to do like global headers and stuff, I think not. I guess I just thought yeah. that since you're linking that style sheet to that component, that it wouldn't actually like use it anywhere else anyways. So do we do colon host bracket everything where we call out button, div, blah, 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 or do we just put everything in that style sheet and it's only included in that component. See what I'm saying? Like, do we actually nest everything inside mm -hmm. of colon host? Yeah, yeah, so I'm gonna, like, that's what I wanted to uh, try to get to or what I hope to get to is kind of our <laughs> system that we've come up. <laughs> no, that's okay. I mean, that, this is good. That's what we want it to be is interactive. So, I mean, those are all great questions. Those are all questions that we've run into. Um, as, as far as it goes for the component, you know, like the only time that I personally or, or us on this team only time that we are um, tying to host is when we're looking for something specifically applied to host, um, uh, like say a class or something like that. Um, because the fact that, uh, that we tend to write our stuff uh, very specific to a component. So most of our, uh, pretty much all, actually all of our styles are component based that we don't really have anything global. We handle We attack our global stuff through mixins, which I have some demos that hopefully we'll get to um, where we do that. But we kind of say every component is raw and unstyled and we, we come into that component and we build it from the ground up. And that means that all of the, uh, all of the angular style scoping is going to apply to that component and keep it specific to that component. So there's no need for wrapping it in host at that point because you're already uh, encapsulated within that component. So, yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, so now go ahead. I was going to say one thing that I've ran into when like using that host thingy is like if I want to like make external 
style sheets where like I can have like different themes that can be optionally included and things like that. And like users can write their own themes. Like it's, it's worked against me in cases like that because I'm kind of bypassing that, the component definition, bringing in the styles like that. That's interesting. Right. Yeah. You do do a lot of that actually, where you need to think about multiple themes. I think that's definitely a special use case because I haven't got to a project that I've had to do that, but I can see where that would be an issue. So yeah, yeah, theming theming's incredibly tough. Um, there's a lot to component theming, and and we spent a lot of time working on that too. That that was actually one of the the things that we had to focus on the most. Um, so I got some demos showing what we how we kind of handle themes there. But you're right. I think if you if you're using host and you're trying to provide those different themes. Uh, can get really, really messy and really complicated and really hard to achieve what you're trying to achieve there. So um, yeah, I could see that for sure. Okay, um, back at this here, um, we're using the uh, style URLs to link to our style sheet. So that's just doing the same thing. I mean, if we hop back over here and we look in the head, it's just inserting them just as we saw right here in a style block in the head, right? So. Another interesting thing that you can do is you can actually, let's just comment this out. And then these are, it doesn't love those. Um, sorry, my machine is moving painfully slow right now. So, <laughs> so this is just a normal uh, traditional link to a sheet. Uh, something that you'd be used to seeing in traditional web application, you can actually insert them here um, in the template. And so uh, where did you guys expect to see these? On the roof. Um, <laughs> on the roof. On uh, the roof on the head. <laughs> yeah, perfect. So you're right then. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's just the concept of any styles you put in there with the exception of these, these inline ones that we're actually seeing here on the app component. But they're going to actually be taken out of the location you put them in the template, and they're going to be inserted in the head of the, the document. The ones that you're seeing there that are inline on the app root component right here, inline in the template, and those will remain intact with where you put them. So it's just good to know all these things if you happen to be you know, trying to bring something in that you understand that they work that way. Um, and then the last little weird piece is I use uh, CSS imports in these style sheets. So that's what I was going to show here next. So let's get that up. Just imports, you can see I have those two style sheets sitting there side, uh, uh, next to this component. So let me get out. And then I'm just going to remove this background color so we can see these applying. Okay. So you have the ability to use CSS imports and Angular is going to handle that for you so that um, uh, it's going to ha handle it in the Angular way, I should say. So you'd probably expect to see these styles in the head again, right? And so when we look at this, this is one of the things that I think is a little bit weird. So, um, and it, I mean, it kind of makes sense, but it's also a little bit weird and it's good to know that it works this way. Um, from that style, that style sheet that imports the styles, we have our styles, our existing styles, and then two additional style blocks for those extra imports. So it's, it's good to know that when, you, when you're using a link and importing this way, you're going to end up in this scenario. 
So um, anyway, the, the, the reason that I think that's a little bit weird is because you're focused on building a component, um, and in the end, you really want one style sheet to come with that component. You really don't want all these other uh, style sheets to come with it. And the, the notion of having multiple style blocks tied to one component is always a little bit odd to me. But um, so just being aware that that happens is good. It, it's probably a matter of preference. It's really no big deal. But um, and then to contrast that to the um, style URLs property, it's going to actually insert those in, in uh, one style block, which is probably what you'd end up. Most people are going to end up with this anyway, so this is good, in my opinion. <laughs> I have like so many questions around the imports. Can we do that next? Yeah, the the SAS imports or CSS imports. Yes. So really quick, uh, one of the things that we talk about a lot that comes up is the fact like you think about, oh, well, okay, so Angular is doing this stuff and it's kind of squirreling away for us. So fine, why, why do we really need to know like it's going in the head and, and this sort of thing? And I think it comes up from a design perspective or anybody working with CSS when you're in the browser and you're trying to figure things out and just your daily workflow, right? Uh, where you need to inspect the stuff, you need to navigate around and, and some of the stuff becomes challenging and understanding like how do I go into the browser and play with some things in the dev tools as I get my stuff figured out. And that's just the daily workflow of doing this stuff, right? Right, yeah, navigating this stuff can be hard and then as, Justin, as you know, we ran into this limitation yesterday. Even in the dev tools, they're, they're working against us here a little bit. I mean, dev tools are awesome, right? But the, the problem being that um, in an Angular app, now you, you, it truncates your style. So when you're trying to inspect what, how Angular is processing these things, you don't have a good way to get to them. Um, because you can see in this style sheet, I have more styles loaded here, but I can't get to them. And so that's kind of copy that out. I have to edit it as HTML, copy that out, and put that in some other... Uh, editor or something where I can see all those styles. So that's kind of a bummer. Styles um, in Angular is a whole whole other topic. And this is really because you know typically we've got styles that are being served from the the server side and they're delivered part of our HTML payload, right? And you have that already in the browser when it's loaded. But here, Angular, the engine is inserting these things at runtime, right? So now we're getting these things in, injected into here. Um, at that point, uh, if we're not doing server-side rendering of Angular, of course. And uh, so we've got that in there. So now it's like, okay, th that's how these things kind of end up getting truncated. So it's a different world that we're in, especially when you're talking about your normal stuff that you may be used to in developing applications and doing styling and stuff and, and just your regular workflow. So there's things to know, right? One thing that, one thing that I think about is like, if you think back to like the good old days where you put your styles in your header and you bottom loaded your JavaScript, right? And that would allow your paint to render immediately while your JavaScript was chunking in so that you could get the illusion of a better performance. You know, my page is like magic and I've already got a background, which makes people think that the page is loaded. And then the other stuff is just like coming in and this actually will not achieve that because the JavaScript has to run, has to do runtime and inject that into the head. So you're not going to be able to achieve that like fancy bottom load, top and bottom loading approach for paint for paint performance. Yeah, per performance. <laughs> 
No, I, I hear you. I think that, um, yeah, I mean, perceived performance on an Angular app right now is probably not great, right? Because like the first thing you see here is this loading screen and, and you know, I think that there's going to be a whole other story around performance as we go forward. We're going to have to figure that out. Um, and we've just been trying to move forward for us. We've been just trying to move forward within this system of, of trying to write the most performant CSS, the best, the cleanest CSS that we can write within the system. But I, I think you're, you're, I totally hear what you're saying that, that perceived performance, um, on an angular app is a lot different than a traditional web application for sure. Yeah. There's kind of, there's nothing there until the app has everything that it needs basically. I mean, I yeah. guess you could kind of work within the framework and force it to go in the head, like some stuff early, right? Or. Yeah, we're actually doing some webpack stuff where, uh, we're using one of the Webpack style URLs plugins that will, you know, grab the styles and extract those into CSS files and then chunk that into your head. So th there are some little workarounds like that, but they're really they're they're kind of a nightmare at the same time. Getting yeah, I, I, especially since like stuff is so new, like I don't, I wouldn't expect it to be like tried and tested and stuff. So. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I totally hear that. And uh, I mean, part of the problem is you just don't even have all of your your DOM structure there as well. I mean, if you're if you're bringing everything in in the Angular app, you just you don't have anything to show anyway. So you could put some style there, which is why we have that loading screen. But there's just nothing there to style anyway. Yeah, I was gonna say like your NGFs might still be hiding things or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that that's that part of the problem. So. Okay, um, so like what I'd, what I'd hope to do next was was talk about um, how we're handling or, or ways that you can handle global styles and location. So one of the ways that do um, is just what we're talking. You, you can actually, like if you're moving an app over to an Angular, uh, to Angular 2 or whatever, um, you know, you can, uh, you can actually just do it how you've done it traditionally and um, just serve up all your styles globally and include them in the index or in the, in this case, we're using CLI and we have the, the base style sheet and it, go, it handles that for us. So we just put them, we put them there. So like if I look at this application here that I have set up um, right here in the root, I have this SCSS directory and these are all partials. So these are all, if we look at some of these, um, like here's my grid. Um, I got some global grid classes, right? So if I, if I, if we serve these up and we import them in the root, um, now those classes are just going to be available to you in the markup. So you can use that G layout grid class and those styles are just going to apply to it. Right? So in reality, you could serve up all of your styles globally and then just use them in components, um, and use classes and have no component styles if you wanted to, like that's totally possible, right? Um, and then here I have like component specific styles. So named it generically, this would be whatever your component name is. Let's say it was like tabs or something like that. Well, I just have a component and this is all my component specific styles, but they're in the global location, right? So I can just now use that markup paradigm with those class names if I want. And, um, just going to get these styles. So that's, that's one way you could do it. Um, do you think it's mostly people like porting over into this that they would want to do something like this? Or do you think there'd be use cases for somebody that's just going to architect their application, their Angular application uh, with this approach versus, 
you know, scoping it to components. Right. Well, I think that's where, uh, where it just comes into your matter of preference. And so when we first get, got, got started in, in styling Angular apps, it was, it was like, man, I, you know, every time I come into a site, I know, I know that I style all this stuff globally. I style headers, I style links, I kind of provide my own defaults. Right. And, and we worked through that and it was like, is there a good spot for this? Cool. Well, we could apply this, but then that means that we got to start overriding this and all, all these lower level components when we don't want them to get those styles. So you start getting in this mess of mm, overriding styles and specificity wars and all that sort of thing. And it starts to get real nasty. And we ended up arriving at the thought of like, Hey, let's, let's not do anything global. If we want to have some global stuff, cool. We'll create SAS mixins and then we'll just import those mixins and use those global styles when we want to. And we basically have no style other than a, a, a normalized style sheet up at the very top and stuff that applies very basic level to, um, to the HTML and body tag, which I think I have right here. So how do you handle like headers and paragraph styles and text fonts? And yeah, it's like a ton of imports at the top of each component because you're like, I want all of these base guys. And yeah, then so that duplicate all the CSS every time so you would end up in CSS land? <laughs> yeah, so I think, yeah, okay. And that's where you get into it, right? Because like when you first think about that, you're like, oh man, this is this is crazy. This goes against everything that I believe, right? And and you start thinking about those styles that you're overriding. And and sure, with headers, that, that could be one where you could run into, you know, a lot of duplicated CSS potentially. Like if you're styling font size and, and the sort of thing every single time. But I think that you're in a different world uh, with Angular. So if you think about like a, a list component, for example, maybe you have these common list styles throughout your current application, right? Where you have uh, certain styles that are bundled up with the, those. Well, it used to be that you'd, with a class name, you put the CSS up globally and you use those everywhere. Well, you can do the same thing with a component. You bundle all that up into a component and now you're not, now you use that list component every time you're, um, you're trying to uh, use those styles and you wrap whatever it is that you need to wrap and it's, but it's all encapsulated to that component. So it actually, in that case, ends up with no more CSS than what you used to have because you're just bundling it with a component that you reuse. And so that style exists once. Now with headers, on the other hand, every time you're using a mix-in for a header, you're going to get duplicated CSS. But we've kind of decided that let's see where, where we end up in those sort, sort of cases. So we're not like importing a, a really large component, uh, uh, CSS structures and then repeating that throughout. We are doing it for something like a header where there's, you know, three lines of re repeated code and that ends up sprinkled throughout uh, and it is repetitive. Yeah. For sure. So our system, what, what we, so that is basically our system. That's what, where we ended up at. Um, what that looks like a little bit here. I know this is kind of painful. I'm not sure why my machine is running so slow. <laughs> I saw your everything box sizing border box, and I was actually having a discussion with my husband this morning about that because I was like, I hate telling everything to do that. It feels excessive, but then I need it. So I was just, I was smiling at that because I was, I was having a moral <laughs> dilemma this morning at like 9 a.m. about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know how I feel about that either. It, it, it's kind of lame, but 
but it makes, you know, I'm all about making things predictable. So yeah, that's kind of how we do it right now. So here, um, so this is our approach that we have, uh, example of a component where it's global, except for those mix-ins that we were talking about. Um, man, sorry, this thing is crawling. Is this um, an editor or like an in, so this is Visual Studio? VS Code. Yeah, so sheet um, looks like for this component. Now all this stuff is going to be encapsulated with it. Um, and then I do have some examples of, so like right here. What is all this underline, underline stuff? <laughs> oh, it's Ben. It's Ben. He uses Ben. <laughs> oh, my God. So, no, I was at, like, this conference in Norway, and I went to a CSS workshop, and these guys were, like, teaching me all about Ben. Apparently, it's, like, super old school. However, they were like, with components, BEM is basically useless because everything's already scoped. But I see that you're using it with components. Right. Yeah, hit him up yeah. about that. Hit him up about that. We talked about that a little bit. He's got a good answer, though. Yeah, so, uh, um, okay, well, real quick, this is an example of a, a global mix, and these ha uh, this has some header styles associated with it. I think there's like three lines associated with it. But uh, yeah, so we're, we're using BEM. And um, this was another hot topic around here. We, uh, we tried all kinds of different ways of, of establishing a pattern that, that everybody could apply um, as far as CSS went and, and as, as far as naming conventions go, right? So we tried an all uh, HTML selector approach, which is this, this is the extreme opposite of what we're doing here, if I can pull this up. Um, this is just styling solely through HTML elements, and we no. can totally no, <laughs> like we could totally do that, right? Like because that's that encapsulation. What's but, wrong with that? No. <laughs> yeah, that's my vote. That's my vote. Right. I don't I, explain to me what's wrong. <laughs> Specificity one oh one, right? Like. You're <laughs> right there, UL, LI. But, like, Barry. it's so high. You're starting too high, like, in my opinion. Because, like, the element, if you call out the element, that's higher than calling out the class. And you want to do everything as low as possible. That way you never end up in an important nightmare. So if you start off with a higher specificity, it only leads you higher up the chain quicker, right? Like, I don't know. That seems but you get But you get uh, attributes applied to them. Right. So, so what I, what I have to say about that is you're totally right. There's nothing, there's really nothing wrong with doing it this way. Um, the, the problem is really that in all honesty, we're dealing with the same stuff that we were dealing with before. It's just on a smaller scale. These are all little, um, little HTML documents and, but they, they could be little or they could be big. You just never know how, how much stuff you're going to get in them. Right. So in this case, if I have, I have one UL, and it has LIs and, and whatnot. But if I have two ULs, now I got to start going, hmm, I got to go to second child or I got I to do last child on the UL to get into it. And it starts to get like, wow, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Now, one way to avoid that is to write smaller components, you know, to make sure you're breaking, breaking them apart and whatnot. But it gets real messy in a hurry. You get, in, you get tangled into um, needing to override styles within your own components and whatnot. And so... Yeah, you can get into trouble doing it that way. I just feel like God now, created like classes for a reason, you know? Like. 
<laughs> I'm not against the classes. I was just trying to understand, like, yeah, I totally agree. Use classes. I, I just mm -hmm. was trying to understand, like, the underscorey thing. That's that's BAM, and the reason that I, you know we we use BAM or we use our own kind of quasi version of of BAM naming convention, but for the most part, it falls in line with what um, what people what other people are doing, and so that's what the underlying stuff's going going on in here. And I know Justin's not a real big fan; he sees these these classes, and and you know they're they're ugly, they're ugly for sure. But the thing about them that I've grown to love is that it's easy to write class names in this way. Um, and it's just, you don't have to think as much about the naming. You, you kind of know you're always within a block, whatever that block is, you use the underscore so it's clear to read what your nested element within that block is, and then you have modifiers, and you kind of have everything that you need in that package to... to that is, uh, yeah, that's definitely an adjusted version, though, of them. How is that different from just other yeah. CSS classes? Yeah, the only, so the only way that it's, you know, the only way that it's really different is that um, you just have a system applied to the way that you name. Um, like if you're just using straight class names, you can name them whatever, and you can develop whatever system that, that works for you. But BEM just kind of gets you in a system, and other people are, are, are likely familiar with that system because a lot of people are using it. And it just kind of gets you started down a path that, that's pretty easy for everybody to replicate. Whereas when names, it's real easy to veer in different directions uh, with, with straight class names. Because I think with like the original BIM, isn't it like you're supposed to do, like you said, everything's under item main block. Score is supposed to be, I think, for if it's a different, like a special thing, right? It's just for if it's an element within that within that block. And so th these are like elements within that block, you know, but it just gives you as kind of a starting point to name everything consistently. Your, your names end up probably a little bit longer because you might have something like just item in the other system and then just thumbnail. Um, but it just makes it so that things, like like what happens if you have another thumbnail, right? This happens to be a thumbnail that's in an item block, but what if you have another thumbnail in a different block within the same component? Now you have to start thinking, well, I can't name this thumbnail, I gotta name this thumbnail such and such for that different block area. And it starts to get, it's, it becomes a lot harder to name things, right? Because you have to start thinking, well, now I have duplicates of these and it's it's hard to hard to name them. Then so BEM kind of gets you in that direction of if I if I have two separate blocks and they both have thumbnails and this one we see item and then that means my thumbnail under there is item thumbnail but if I'm in let's say an excerpt block in the same component I know I'm in excerpt and then excerpt thumbnail and it's really easy to just roll through naming that in that way so that's that's kind of the huge power that it provides there and this is really important uh, you know as we get multiple people working on this application I think that's where it really becomes a show is like trying to solve that problem how do you have multiple people in here making naming decisions and doing these things in a consistent manner and, and you got to kind of give them this guidance and this fit well for having um, you know a, a team of people working on this application and making these decisions over building different components right totally Okay, so uh, everybody feel good about that right now? <laughs> okay, so the next thing that we're doing, um, you know, so that's kind of, that's kind of our naming uh, convention approach that, that we use. And the other thing that we try to do is, and this kind of carries over from what we used to do in the past, we try to keep everything really flat. So we're, in the end, when um, you're seeing use of this ampersand and SAS here, so you know that these classes are going to be totally flat in the end. 
Um, there's no nesting. We try to do that. We try to avoid overriding styles at all costs because we know that that gets us into um, undesired uh, results down the road. Um, then we're really focused on organizing our styles. So as we started to write out components, we started to get some big components that had a lot of styles in them. Um, and our style sheet started to grow really big. So we decided, hey, you know what? We're going to break these things apart into like smaller, more granular uh, style sheets. So in this particular component, I have a um, SCSS directory for items, which example because my global style sheet only has like three lines in it and my items contains the bulk of the styles. So this isn't a great example, but when we, um, so that's kind of funny, right? But like when I look at uh, my component theming examples that I have, let me get that up and I'll show you. So when we're talking about component theming, we're adding all these layers. Now we have a whole bunch of style sheets, right? So that's a pattern that we follow is like, hey, let's break these things out into really uh, small file size or small chunks that we can just import in and use, right? So. Um, and this is SAS imports, right? Exactly. So we're all we're we're just all about you know trying to make it easy to work with, and so a lot of these files are small, but instead of mashing them all in one file, it's kind of hard to organize and maintain. They're just dropped into their own little partials, um, and we use them that way. The you know, uh, but this is this is getting into the next topic that I that I wanted to talk about uh, the kind of the final topic, and it's all about component themes. And I don't know what you guys are doing for component themes or what you guys have run into, but this has been probably the biggest challenge in trying to come up with a system. I mean, this is completely new when you think about um, how styles worked in the past. I mean, trying to theme, trying to theme components that can end up anywhere and in any circumstance uh, is really tough. And how you give them that theme information, that, that was, that's been quite a challenge. So, um, different ways that you can do that sort of thing. Um, this is an example. Oh, well, I guess I should back up and, and talk a little bit more about the different types of themes that we've run into. Here you can see that I have like color 01, color 02, uh, layout 01, layout 02, and then I have state 01 and state 02. So this is a component that has two color themes and it has two layout themes and then it has two state themes. So you might be wondering what the heck all that stuff is. Um, I mean, color is pretty straightforward. It's when the component needs to change color. So uh, it has one set of colors applied to its default, whatever its default is going to be. And then it has another set when you're maybe going to put it on a dark background or something. Layout is when the actual physical layout of the component needs to be different. And a lot of times when you're, when you're going to go, um, you have all this functionality bundled up into a component, but it just needs to look different, right? It needs to have a little bit of a different look. And so you, you know that when you're going to go implement that component, you go and put it in and you say, oh, I need this different look of this component, I need this different layout. So we've separated out those different layout styles and we're using the host selector and we're tying to a class name that you'd add. Um, and, the, and it works the same for colors and it works for layout and it works for state. State would be Say I have a successful version of the component and I have a component, which let me see, I actually can show you here. Oops. 
Sorry, let me get that component up. Have you guys run into any um, component theming issues so far? Has it been hard for you guys at all or? Yes. It's like going to the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's look at this. You get free toothpaste? And floss. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird. Or is going to the dentist painful for you? Because <laughs> I'm all about the free toothpaste. The <laughs> <laughs> component looks exactly the same, um, but if we inspect it and take a look here under the hood, what we got going on, um, or actually, um, come on. Okay, there we go. Uh, looking for here okay so now we have we're, we're seeing the layout class uh applied we're in we're in layout one and we're in color oh one so the, our layout styles are applying to this now if i want to change this since we're our styles we're looking for a layout of class one but we also have a layout oh two color oh two and in order to see color oh two i'm going to need to Make this guy available. Okay. This is all just done through classes on the host, which it's a pretty cool system because you're able to bundle up, you know, everything related to the theming of that component right within the component itself. And then just, um, just reference those, well, it's always, it's always going to output those theme styles because we're including them always with the component, but we're just choosing to wrap in a class so this, the right selectors will apply. Um, so this is a whole a completely different layout with a different color to the component. And it just, I'm wrapping it in a div with a, a red background just so we can see what happens. This is, it's going to be white and it's intended for use on a, a, dark, a component that may have a dark background. So um, super handy. The, the problem comes in, when you're gonna start compositing these components together. That's where the real challenge comes in. So like this is a really nice system until you start uh, bundling this into another component. And actually it's probably fine if you put it in one component, but where it's really gonna break down is if you try to put this inside of another component and then put that component inside of another component and that outer component is the one that has the themes, then it starts to get really tricky because how do you feed that, how do you feed the uh, proper class down to your component? So, so, like, are you just passing every single component its own theme? Um, like all in this system, this system, you would have to do something like that, but you'd even have to take it a little bit further because, say, for example, so let me um, see here. So, uh, man. I have a, um, now I have like a host component that's wrapping this component. Try to pull that up here. Uh, 
<laughs> my editor's not liking me here. Okay, so this component, it actually includes that other component that we were just lo looking at, this um, last component. This is the, it's just when it's, it's containing this component right within its template, if we can get that open. Um, and what I've had to do is actually build a, like if I was just using it in this one spot and in this one scenario, it'd be all cool because I could just put, oh, I know I want color 02 in this component. But the problem is that this component, this host class parent 01 component is gonna be consumed by another component at some point. So in order to do that, you have to put, and there's probably better ways of, of uh, adding this logic around a class in here. I mean, this is just kind of what I have that works. It's not real great. You, the point is that you'd have to have some sort of theming engine in place that's going to feed um, the proper class down to the component as it needs it, right? So, um, so you know, that's kind of, I mean, this system works and it works well, but you just run into that problem of when you're compositing components together, you're gonna have to have some sort of logic check that feeds the appropriate class down. So, and then you can use host context, but I'll probably skip over host context because it doesn't look like we have a whole heck of a lot of time, right, Justin? Right, we're getting close to the end here, so you want to do the... Um, what is host context? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so when, you, when you're using host context, if, like uh, even as I was putting these demos together, I was like, man, okay, how am I going to show this? Um, host context works for theming components, you know, and I can, I can piece this together. But it, it, it really, um, like you can, I feel like you can check uh, using host context to to uh, use it for certain things. Like for applying a, a whole theming system is not really great. Like we have a system in one of our applications where we have a large column and a small column and we want to style components differently if they find themselves in a large column or a small column. And that's a perfect check for a host context because it's, it's always going to be this one location. You're only going to run into the class once up the tree. It should be all good to, to style things accordingly. But when you start to get into theming, and trying to use host context to theme um, in that way, you start running into a lot of collisions um, because it's looking all the way, it's looking at itself and all the way up the tree at that point with host context. So you, you run into some real gnarly scenarios and it, it's, it, it's just a messy situation. So, um, but these demos are all gonna, they all, uh, they're all in a GitHub repo and available to everyone if you wanna go check them out. But um, where I think the real coolness comes in are, are, are what, what I think is, is when we're working in Angular, Angular is really uh, geared around, um, you know, a web component future, right? So there's other stuff that the framework provides, like deep, uh, the deep combinator that'll allow us to pierce through shadow boundaries and stuff. But since that's been removed from the scoping module, uh, the CSS scoping module specification, it's like, you know, we probably don't really want to do it that way, right? So what's been added is this concept of opening our components up for extension and using CSS custom properties, right? So we put the components in charge and we expose properties that other components uh, can feed them styles through, right? And so that's what, that's actually the approach we're taking. Now we have the luxury of to target latest browsers um, and custom properties are not quite there yet in Edge. So even if you're using uh, current browsers, you're gonna run into problems in Edge. Like right now, uh, one of the apps that we're working on has no Edge, so, <laughs> so that's kind of a problem. But uh, 
back up and just show, because uh, I've got kind of a complicated system in here, but let me just show a real simple example. Um, this is, we have a, we've developed a real complicated system for uh, our complex system, I should say, not complicated, but a complex system for applying color themes um, because it's an app-wide uh, styling approach. But at, at their basic level, this is just a, a simple component, right? And um, it's basically, and then it has uh, some styles applied. And so the syntax for a custom property is this var keyword, a property name that you provide it, which is can be anything in the background here. And it has to be prefixed with those two dashes. And then uh, you can provide it with a default value. So if you don't provide a new definition for this variable somewhere up the tree, it's just going to go ahead and default to red, right? Um, can you default it to null? You can just leave off the default and it'll be empty. So if I... Like it'll be empty, is, like it won't, it won't put that color line there? Property there so that you can use the property, but it won't actually style it with any color. So you don't have to provide defaults, you can just provide hooks and then from a parent component, uh, just uh, just uh, add those properties and they'll just flow through, right? So um, let's go ahead and we'll finish off by taking a look at this component. That's probably it'll probably be broken because it's not gonna have a background color on it. So it should just I think we'll see pretty much nothing exciting here, but yeah, so let me fix that real quick. So, so properties are really cool because you can use them for more than just um, colors. In this case, we're just using them for colors, but you can you can really set them to any property. You can really define them in any any way that you want. Um, you can make you can you can now just dramatically style your components different for any given case, right? If you expose those properties, any component can kind of thing to have extra padding now, so it pads it more, makes the font size larger. Just you can do all kinds of cool stuff with it. Um, and then I'm pretty sure that also coming down down the road is the apply, um, add apply, which will allow you to kind of almost do mix-ins and kind of bundle up some of the stuff together with just straight CSS. I mean, CSS is getting much more preprocessor-like all the time, so you'll even be able to do more crazy stuff in the future. Um, and let's go ahead and look at, like, if I wanted to override this from my app component, background before, but let's say that, when it's in my component, I want it to have a green background. Um, whoops. And from here, I can just set that background to, to green, the property. And so for the component, 
So like I said, this is, uh, you know, this is future stuff. And if you don't have the luxury like we do of targeting modern browsers, you're going to be, you're going to be kind of out of luck for the time being. There are some uh, polyfills out there and we actually tried to apply one to see how far of support we could get, but it only worked on a per component basis. It wouldn't actually flow through as we needed it to. So we wouldn't be able to do this right here. So it's kind of a bummer, but um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much what I have on, on themes here today. So um, and if you want to get more about all the crazy stuff that, that we've done with CSS, like I said, you can check out my course. There's a bunch more stuff in there. So, Awesome. Awesome. Well, this has been uh, super informative. Cool to take a look at, at all this stuff and uh, start getting the discussion going, get people to think about it. I think people are going to be hitting this scenario, right, especially as we've got um, – people starting to build out applications and, and launch them into production and stuff is solving this part of it. So hopefully this can help with some guidance and, and direction. All right. Totally, well, yeah, I uh, think that it's, we are kind of at the top of the hour. So um, we'll do some pics really quick, plug those and then we'll uh, call it a day. Uh, Austin, you got something? Yeah, so I was talking with Justin before, and uh, he said uh, I was mentioning JavaScript Weekly newsletter, and he said he hadn't heard of that. So I wanted to give that a shout out. Uh, it's a weekly newsletter of all of the like up and coming stuff in JavaScript. It's really good to keep, you know, if you're wanting to keep a beat on what's going on, etc. It's it's great newsletter. Highly recommend it. And I just happened to be featured in the last one of my projects in the last one. So <laughs> convenient, convenient. All right, my pick is Quokka. Uh, it's a uh, extension right now for VS Code that the Wallaby team, Wallaby JS team, is putting out. Uh, it's kind of cool. It's like a sandbox for working with uh, JavaScript, TypeScript. You can kind of the things that you do in your browser dev tools, you know, to work some JavaScript code, you can do that within your editor. And it's got this live, you know, kind of the things if you ever seen Wallaby, uh, we have an episode on testing where the guy showed some Wallaby stuff and kind of does this live processing. So you can kind of just sandbox code and stuff. It's pretty cool. It's got some other additional features. So it's pretty neat. Check that out. Uh, I can totally vouch for that. I just, uh, that was, um, I just found that the other day and used it and it was amazing. I was able to write like a whole file, like a parser in it and not even have to run it and it just worked magically. Yeah, so it's definitely pretty cool. So we'll throw a link up for that. Brian, you got something? Yeah, I'm, I'm an HTML and CSS guy. So I'm really excited about uh, CSS Grid. I actually have another course on, on Grid and Flexbox and stuff. And Rachel Andrew, she's awesome. She's like the grid guru. And she's got a website, gridbyexample.com. And she's been releasing, um, if you go to gridbyexample.com slash video, um, you get a whole bunch of short little videos all about grid. And it's really awesome because a lot of browsers are starting to ship support and it's coming this year. Um, and it's really gonna change the game on layout on the web. So um, yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, uh, thanks, Brian, for coming on. Appreciate it. Showing the demos, putting in the work for all that stuff. Really cool. Uh, appreciate that time. So thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. Yep, definitely. Thanks to our panelists for joining us today. And we will see everybody next week. We've got one more episode next week until we go to NGConf. We'll be doing a 
live show from there. That's going to be the week of NGConf. We're going to actually be doing this show on a Thursday. So uh, we'll let you know a little more about that next week. And we'll see you next time. Later.